The book of Psalm, chapter 34, verse number 6. Now, you may not know this, but I am many, many people's favorite evangelist. The reason why is because I preach with a timer. <laughs> and I usually pay attention to it. There are some times that I don't, but uh, for the most part, I try not to wax on all day. Amen. And, uh, and the reason that I do that is not that I think people don't want to hear the word or more of the word, and it's certainly not that I don't have more to say, but it gives us time around the altar uh, to come and pray and for the musicians to play and for us to flow in the Spirit and let the Spirit minister to us. And we don't have to be in such a rush. We can come and soak in the presence of the Lord. And I do pray today after the ministry of the Word, we'll have a good season around this altar of ministry of the Spirit and the Lord uh, strengthening us and helping us. Can you say amen? amen? One single verse of Scripture, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. A very simple message today, how to find God. I want to talk to you about how to find God. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will minister by your spirit and through this word and through my personal experience to these wonderful, precious, godly people, those that have been walking with you for a long time now and those that are fresh in their journey. We pray that you will give us all light for the pathway today, strength for the journey of hell, lift our faith, strengthen us where we're weak, heal us where we're sick, encourage us where we're discouraged, and I pray we all leave stronger. Would you give the Lord one more hand praise? It sounds like chains breaking when people are clapping their hands. I love a good hand clap. Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I see young brother Willoughby over here. Hey Amen. Knew his father. They were wonderful, wonderful friends. And uh, God's hand is mightily upon you. And uh, he is gone, but that anointing power is still flowing. Your father and your mother, oh, she was a powerhouse. They were a dynamic duo. And that great anointing that they dug out and that they uh, dug deep to allow to spring up, I believe is in your hands for safekeeping. And we have not seen yet all that's going to come from that. But God is with you and we're with you. And we love you because we love them so much. Can you say praise the Lord? A while back, Year or so ago, I was uh, down in South Florida preaching in an all-Spanish church. And it was the first of two morning services. And I flew in there, as I often do, on a wing and a prayer. I was a little battle-worn and a little travel-weary from the heavy schedule. And so when I got there that morning, knowing that it was the first of two services during the worship service in that church, they had some chairs on the platform where the ministry set. And uh, the worship service was going on, and it was all in Spanish, and everything they were saying was in Spanish. So there was a little disconnect for me, not really understanding all that they were saying and doing. And I was a little weary and tired, and I knew I had two services coming up that morning back to back. And so in the middle of that worship service, I did something that is almost taboo in the Pentecostal church. I, I sat down. 
during the worship service. I just thought, I know, so just pray for me. And so I sat down. I thought I'd take just a little rest for a moment, just a little relaxation, begin to meditate on the Lord. And because of just the way everything was situated, where the chairs were and how the platform was uh, built, I just happened to be perfectly positioned as this sister from the church, one of the ladies, walked to the front and began to pray. And when she walked up and began to pray, it didn't take but just a few minutes for me to realize uh, she wasn't down there just uh, having a little small prayer, but she was praying desperately. She was praying earnestly. She had her eyes uh, tightly closed and her face was scrunched up and her fists were scrunched together, and she was halfway bent over, and she was really calling out to God. She was praying with all of her heart. It only took a few minutes. Some of, a few of the other ladies of the church gathered around her, and they got into some deep prayer. Well, uh, just observing this and disconnected from everything else, I, I sensed her burden. And so my wife and I are both by spiritual nature intercessors, and I just kind of entered into some prayer for her. I began to pray, oh, God, help her. Lord, bless her. Whatever her need may be, whatever concern is here, I'm asking you, Lord, to hear her prayer, meet her need, and bless her. Well, she kept praying on, and I just really got kind of caught up in it for a few minutes, just sensing her desperate need. And I began to really wax kind of fervent in my prayer. Oh, God, she needs you today. Lord, no doubt she's tried everything. She's reached in every direction. I have a strong gift of discerning of spirits, and I could, I could discern her anguish and her desperation. And I began to relate that, Lord, I can feel that she's so desperate. She is in great need. Lord, she's out of answers. And I began to tell the Lord, Lord, she needs her answer today. She needs to get it at this altar. I began to reason with the Lord that this is no doubt her last hope. It's either here or nowhere. It's either now or never. God, she needs, don't let her walk away from this altar. God, not having her need met. Lord, hear her prayer. Answer her, oh God. Lord, she needs it today. Not another day, not another service, but right here, right now. And I am using all my preacher language and all my prayer understanding and my relationship with God. I am laying it all out there as I uh, bring and negotiate her case before the Lord. Well, I prayed for a good little while with her and finally sat back in my chair, but she continued on. She never did let up. She just kept right on through all that. They like to sing a while in the Spanish church, so they went on for a little while and uh I, I, I started meditating. The minute I stopped praying for her and got quiet, the Lord spoke to me. And he spoke to me kind of forcefully and strongly. Usually when the Lord speaks to me, it is like a very gentle voice comes across the top of my mind. I've often described it like merging traffic. Now, I'm not talking about the kind where them trucks come off, you know, about 
you know, wipe out the whole road as they're coming on them. Talking about those that know how to merge into the traffic, you know. They just kind of ease in and get in there. That's how the Lord's word comes to me. Uh, his word will come in and it'll just merge into my thoughts and sort of take over and become the dominant, predominant voice in my mind. This wasn't like that. This was one of them kind that just come bulldozing in. It was a strong voice. It was a forceful voice. It was a stern voice, actually very authoritative. And uh, here's what the Lord said. What makes you think I need persuaded to hear her prayer? Kind of scared me. Because <laughs> I could tell this was, uh, I wasn't used to hearing these kind of, it was like a rebuke. <laughs> I mean, the Lord, I could sense that the Lord was not happy. He did not appreciate. Now, I thought I was doing a good thing, you know, just praying for and interceding, asking God. And, but I could tell that I had upset the Lord. What makes you think I need persuaded to hear her prayer? Well, so startled as I was, I just dropped my head and was I didn't even know what to say or how to respond. I, I just was just sort of quiet before the Lord. And his next sentence was, when you prayed, I heard you. And then it was like the scroll rolled back in my mind. My mind went back. I'm 57 years old today, in case you're wondering. Well, not today's not my birthday, but that's. <laughs> but you missed my birthday, so if you want to get me something, you can go ahead and do that. <laughs> 57 years old, but I, my mind went back. To that night, I was 19 years old. I was a long way from God. Long hair down to my shoulders. Most days wore a red bandana wrapped around my forehead. Was involved in a lot of things, drugs, alcohol. Went to a lot of concerts. Went to a lot of parties. Woke up in a lot of places. I didn't know how I got there, and I didn't know anybody that was there. It's a weird feeling to wake up on the floor of someone's house and look around, and you don't know anybody there. You just kind of sheepishly leave and go look for where you might have left your car. I don't want to say too much more about that lifestyle because I don't know what the statutes of limitations are on things and I don't want to confess anything that they may use against me and play my testimony in a court of law. And needless to say, I was a long way from God. I was very, very deep in the sin of this world and the bondage of this world. I was running wild and, and, and fast and trying to be happy. And you know the strange thing is, the more you give yourself to that lifestyle trying to be happy, it seems like the more miserable you get. I was not happy. I was trying to be happy, but I was not happy. I had a giant hole in my heart. I had a giant emptiness in my spirit. I had known the Lord as a young man. I had been around the church, in the church, baptized at an early age. I had, I had known the presence of God and now was so far away. My mind was so messed up. My life was in so much trouble. And I remember that one particular night that the Lord took me to when he said, when you prayed, I heard you. I remember that night I was living in a little efficiency apartment. I'm not sure if it was even as big as this platform. This is a little place with a bed and a kitchenette, second floor across the street from a motorcycle bar in downtown Frederick, or downtown um, uh, York, Pennsylvania. And, and I, I went in that night, and it was late in the evening. 
and I was just a little slightly intoxicated. And I was so anxious and I was so desperate and I was so unhappy. And I tried to just curl up on the sofa in that little efficiency apartment and just sleep it off. But I tossed and I turned and I just was so desperate. I finally rolled off that sofa. My knees hit the floor. The cigarette smoke still coming up in the atmosphere, the beer bottle sitting everywhere. And in the darkness that night, I just lifted my hands up and I said, God, if you're out there, if you can hear me, I need help. I'm in trouble. Help me, Lord. I don't, I don't know if you can hear me, but if you're out there, if you can hear me, help me, Lord. I don't know how I got here. I didn't mean to be this kind of person. I don't know if I was a drug addict. I was certainly on the road to becoming that if I wasn't already. I was doing it all the time, harder and harder stuff. And I said, God, I did never intend to become this kind of person that I am. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how to change. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to recover myself. God, I need help. If you can hear me, help me. I prayed. I poured my heart out. I didn't really, to be honest with you, it wasn't really a great repentance session. I just was pouring it all out to God, the mess I was in, and begging pretty much just for help. I didn't see any angels that night or any bright lights. I don't discount that because I've seen it all since. But that particular night when I finally poured out all I had to say, I just crawled up in the sofa and went to sleep. There was no real evidence of anything or any change. The next day was just like every other day and the day after that. But that day, my uncle, now this is an interesting story. It was my uncle, but he wasn't really my uncle. I was just raised believing he was my uncle until I found out he wasn't. You don't know, you know about these kind of situations, but. So he called me, invited me to a family reunion. It really wasn't my family. But I was so anxious, desperate, and upset, I thought I'd go. It was a four-hour drive down to Maryland. I thought it'd be a little road trip. So I went to the family reunion. It wasn't my family, but thought it was. And when I got there, I became his project. He latched on to me, and he began to talk to me. He finally convinced me to stay stay the weekend and come with him to church. And so I did. I walked in that Sunday morning to the Apostolic Lighthouse Church in Frederick, Maryland. <laughs> now you have to understand, I ain't been to church in years. What are the chances that I just prayed two nights ago, Lord, if you can hear me, never made it past that Sunday till I was standing on the front row. He was assistant pastor, so he parked me on the front row as he went up to the platform. I'm on the front row. They begin to sing. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. I lifted my hands and started my prayer. Lord, if you can hear me, if you're out there, Lord, I'm in trouble. The difference was this time the platform preachers saw me praying and down they came. They got around me, hands laid in every direction. It was just a matter of moments till I was praying through, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gave me the utterance. Just, just 48 hours ago, I was in the middle of the night 
And I was begging God, if you can hear me from this cesspool of sin and this darkness I'm in, I need help. Pastor got with me after church, said, obviously your life's a mess. Why don't you just come move down here? So I went home. I quit the job. Took a couple of weeks, quit the job, moved out of the little efficiency apartment, moved in in Frederick, Maryland, moved in with my aunt, who wasn't my aunt, but I moved into her basement and started going to the Apostolic Lighthouse Church. My life began to turn around. It was there in the Apostolic Lighthouse Church. Just a few months later, on a midweek service, I was invited to preach what we called in those days a sermonette, and I had... 10 or 15 minutes, I believe it was, and I stepped up that night. My hand was shaking. The microphone was doing like this right here the whole time I was talking, and I had a little sermon I had worked on, and I entitled it, It's Time to Fight, and it was about David and Goliath. Looking back now, I realized I was preaching more to myself than anybody else that was in the place. I was fighting for my soul. I was fighting for my future. I was fighting for a destiny. I had so many trappings of sin that still had to be uh, delivered out of my mind and my spirit. God was doing so much. It was there in that apostolic lighthouse church that I met a young lady named Patricia Ann Windsor, who today is Patricia Ann Kleindance. A year later, we were married. We launched into ministry. It was from that church that I launched out as a young evangelist in 1980. I went there about 1988, I think it was, we launched out. We began to evangelize and preach all over the nation. I landed in Lynchburg, Virginia in 1990. It was there that we became the pastor of 11 people that voted us in. We moved into the basement of that church. I've lived in a lot of basements in my lifetime. And from there, we built that church up. Both of my sons were born there when we pastored in Lynchburg, Virginia. From there, we went on to our national headquarters and worked for a while. It was while I was pastoring there that I met up and got connected to Brother Billy Cole, and I told the story about that to the leaders last night. Traveled around the world preaching the gospel, mentored and trained by that great man of God. Today, both of my sons are married to godly Christian girls. As far as I know, it's kind of a funny thing. I was talking along these lines one time. I said, as far as I know, neither one of my sons have ever touched a drop of alcohol, never smoked a cigarette, never done a single drug. And my oldest son, Zachary, came up to me, Pastor, and he said, Dad, I need to tell you, uh, it's not exactly accurate. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, I did have some alcohol one time. I said, when? You tell me right now. When did that happen? He said, well... You remember when we were at the Because of the Times Minister's Conference? I said, yes. He said, well, they were serving communion. And he said, I accidentally got in the wine line and got the wine instead of the grape juice. And I said, all right, I'm going to give you a free pass. The only time the boy ever drank alcohol was in church. Help him, Jesus. They've lived a whole different lifestyle than I came up in. They've had a whole different experience than I had. 
They're married godly Christian girls. We now have two new grandbabies, and she's now Lolly, and I'm Pop. And we have a wonderful family that God has blessed, and I've ministered and preached, and God has done wonderful things. And it's now all these 30 something years later that we can see all the blessings and the help of God and the, the things the Lord has done. Because one night, a long time ago, in the middle of the night, with nobody around and nobody watching and nobody knew where I was this poor man cried and the Lord heard him he heard my prayer that night it wasn't a good prayer it wasn't an appropriate prayer for where I was I was just basically begging God because I was in trouble. But I'm telling you, God heard my prayer that night. When I reached up through the darkness, when I reached for him with the doubts and the fears that was in my heart, it wasn't a prayer of faith. It was a prayer filled with doubt. It was filled with fear. I didn't even know for sure if he was out there. I wasn't sure he was even listening. But when this poor man cried, he heard me. My life turned around and from that day till this, it has been a marvelous, blessed journey of the help of God. Sure, we've had our trials. We've been through our troubles, but the Lord's been with us every step of the way. Yeah, we've been through our valleys, but he's been with me in the valley. Amen. We fought our devils, but he's been with me when I was fighting those devils. We've had our hurts, our pains. We've cried tears, but we found out that there's joy even in the midnight hour. I'm so glad that when this poor man cried. So I knew exactly what God meant when he said, what makes you think I need to be persuaded to hear her prayer? When you prayed, I heard you. I don't know what happened to me through the years, this ministry and life as a preacher, as a man of God, but somewhere maybe I just slipped off a little bit of the simplicity of the gospel. Got to thinking maybe that God needed to be persuaded to hear this desperate woman who was calling out to him. But the Lord set my feet back on course that morning when he reminded me, I don't need to be persuaded. All I need is for someone to reach. You want to know how to find God today? It's not difficult. It's not complicated. You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew. Doesn't matter what version of the Bible you're trying to study right now. You want to find God? Makes no difference what kind of life you're living, what kind of sin you're involved in, what kind of mistakes you've made, what kind of problems you've caused, how much you're hurting or how much hurt you've created from whatever situation you're in. Just reach. I promise you, if you'll reach, you'll touch him. If you'll reach, you'll find him. If you'll just reach for him from wherever you are, reach for him whoever you are. It makes no difference. He will hear your prayer. He will help you. I've come to tell somebody today, the Lord will help you. You. 
You're not out of options. You're not out of moves. You're not boxed in a corner. I've got to flow in the Holy Ghost right here. The devil's lying to somebody. He's telling you there's no options. You're boxed in. You've done too much. You've created too much havoc. There's no answer. It's impossible. He's trying to convince you there's no way out. I'm telling you our God is a way maker. He'll make a way even if there is no way. He'll put a stream in a desert. He'll put light in a darkness. Amen. He'll, he'll part the waters and make a way through the waters if he has to. He is a door. He can put a door where there is no door. I'm telling somebody you're not helpless. You're not hopeless. There is a remedy. Nobody's gone too far. You've not done too much. You're not too far gone. You're reachable. You're helpable. You're savable. I've got to reach for somebody with a passion in my soul right now. The devil's trying to make you think you're not redeemable. But I've come to tell you, you are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It's stronger. It's greater than anything you've ever done. Where sin abounds, grace does the much more abound. Calvary's sacrifice is greater than your greatest sin. Calvary's sacrifice is greater than the biggest mess you've ever caused. It makes no difference if you want God just reach. Reach. You will touch him. I've dismissed this three or four times out of my mind. I can't dismiss it anymore. You're dealing with a spirit of suicide. You're dealing with thoughts of suicide. I rebuke that and deliver you of that in the name of Jesus. Don't you do it. That's the, that's the devil lying to you. The devil telling you you're not going to be happy. I'm come to prophesy to you today. Amen. You won't always be sad. You won't always be discouraged. You won't always be boxed in. You're not always going to be desperate. He said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You've seen what the thief can do. He's stolen. He's destroyed. He's made a havoc out of everything. Why don't you see? see what the Lord can do. Amen. You'll find out. He can put the pieces back together. He'll give you beauty for ashes. He'll give you the oil of joy for mourning. He'll give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Come on. There's no reason for us to be sad here today. Oh, melancholy. Act like there's no answer. There's no help. There's no hope. We believe there is a God. He can help us. I wish this church would come alive with me here today and clap your hands. Somebody ought to know what I'm talking about because when you prayed, he heard you too. Woo! We believe there is a God. Why should we behave as though there is no God? Like there's no God to hear us when we pray. No God to hear us when we call. I promise you there is a God and he's listening. I got a revelation that morning about intercessory prayer and the purpose of it. Again, my wife and I were both intercessors. She much more than me. An intercessory prayer warrior is someone who prays for the plight and difficulty of other people. 
You get in between to intercede means like a go-between. You get in between and you intercede like intercept. <laughs> you get in between. You get in between people who are being attacked of the devil. And they're not rebuking the devil. And they're not resisting the devil. And they're not, they're not asking for help. So you get in there and you do it on their behalf. Some of you do it for your children, your grandchildren. Some of you may be doing it for a husband or a wife, somebody in your family. They're not praying, so you're praying. They're not resisting, so you're resisting. You get between them and the darkness and you say, I know they're not resisting you, but I am on their behalf. You get between them and the forces, the darkness of this world, and you push back that evil. That's the power of an intercessor. An intercessor also gets between people and God because sometimes they get under the judgment of God. Sometimes they've angered God. Sometimes they are, they're not asking for help. They're not repenting. They're mad at God. They're angry at God. They're cursing God. They're doing all kinds of things. That should bring the judgment of God. So you get in between them and God. And you say, I know they're not asking for mercy, but I am on their behalf. I know they're not repenting, but, Lord, I'm repenting on their behalf. I know they're not bleeding the blood, but, but I'm bleeding the blood. And I know they're cursing you, but, Lord, I'm praying a hedge of protection over them. You get between them and you intercede on their behalf. But I learned something that morning about intercessory prayer. I was over here interceding and praying and doing all this stuff while this woman was up there pouring her heart out. And I realized something. You intercede for people that aren't praying. You intercede for people that aren't reaching. But the moment somebody starts reaching for God, you can quit your intercession. Don't get in the way. God said, who, who do you think you are? You going to get in the way of this? She's reaching for me. Step back. I got it. The moment anyone, anyone in any situation or circumstance, whether it be in a church like we're in today or out there in the world, whether it be on some back alley, whether it be in some dark night somewhere, they reach for God. The minute they reach, all of hell has to step back and everyone else because when they reach, he said, I got them. I got him. I'm telling you today, he's as close as calling on his name. He's as close as reaching for him. He's as, that's why we're having revival, to create an atmosphere where it's easy to... That's why we're going to play some music, to create an atmosphere. Folks are going to come around and alter and pray. Because we know if you'll reach, you won't even need us. If you'll reach, you won't need our song. You won't need my sermon. You won't need my hands on your head. If you'll reach, now we'll do all that because we're going to help you. But when you reach, God says, my grace is sufficient. The blood that flows from Calvary's cross will come finding you. He'll find you when you reach. Just lift your head up out of your darkness. Stand on your tiptoes out of that deep miry clay and reach for the Lord. I need to say this. It doesn't matter if you've talked bad about the church. Run the pastor down. I don't know if you find anything bad about this man, but if you figure something out and you're saying all about it, and you've been on social media and you've been calling us all hypocrites. Can I just talk real to you here today? You're all mad at the church for this and mad at the church for that, mad at these people and called us all kinds of names and curses and all that. It makes no difference. The minute you get your heart set on God, you reach. You can reach through all that. You can reach through all that hatred and all that envy and all that strife and all those accusations. If you'll reach, you'll find out his grace is so wonderful and glorious. His forgiveness is so magnificent. He'll reach right down to and right past all of that 
He'll love you. He'll help you. He'll forgive you. Amen. We do not have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He was in all points tempted like we, yet without sin. So let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. Whoever you are, God will hear your cry. Wherever you are, God will hear your cry. Whatever you've done, God will hear your cry. Whatever mess you're playing around with right now, God will hear your cry. Just reach out from it. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to make it right. Don't try to get a plan. Just reach. The old song said, he will hear your faintest cry and he will answer by and by. So how far does it go, preacher? Well, the book of Jonah tells the story of a basically a backslidden prophet. Jonah, God told him what to do. He didn't want to do it, so he went the opposite direction. He was not obeying God's voice, backslid away from the plan of God. You know his story. They threw him overboard. That's usually what this world does with you after a while. Threw him overboard. He gets swallowed up by a fish or a whale. I don't know if it was out there if God made one just for the occasion. He finds himself swallowed up. And he said, I cried. I like the honesty of this. I cried by reason of my affliction. That's what I did that night. I just cried out because I couldn't take it anymore. I just cried out because I had made a mess out of things. I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me. This is Jonah 2, 2 if you're looking for it. He heard me. He said, out of the belly of hell cried I. And thou heardest my voice. That tells me there's not any place you can find yourself that you can't call out to God. Amen. One thing I want you to take away from this message, not only if you need the help, but all you that are praying for someone, you're worried about your children and your grandchildren and your lost loved ones and the backsliders and the people that are resisting and rejecting God, I want you to know it makes no difference how lost they are. It makes no difference how deep they are. doesn't matter how many legions of devils have them chained in and how thick the darkness around them are. They can be sitting around chanting demonic stuff all night long, got stars painted on the floor and, and have Ouija boards and all kinds of incantations. It makes no difference. They could kneel down right in the middle of that satanic star and reach for Jesus and his grace will find them. There's nothing can hold him back the minute they call one turn of the mind, just one thought that comes through the mind that says, I need you, Jesus. They can be on the drive home just leaving the bed of adultery and with the pit in their stomach saying, I don't know how I got here. I didn't mean to be this kind of person. And they pull over, God help me. I'm telling you, he'll find them in that car. He'll find them anywhere, any place at any time. They're not as lost as you think they are. They're not as far unreachable as you think they are. That's why we pray all it takes is one moment, just one thought that crosses the mind, that reaches, and they'll have the same testimony I have. They'll have the same testimony you have. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. And he'll hear your lost children. He'll hear your lost loved ones. Don't give up on anybody. Don't, it doesn't matter what lifestyle they're in. It doesn't matter what they're doing. Don't give up on anyone where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. 
Jeremiah says, you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. What are you going to find? You're going to find rest. You're going to find life. You're going to find strength. You're going to find joy. You're going to find wisdom and hope and love. You're going to find everything you ever needed. Psalm 34.10 says, young lions do lack and suffer hunger. Young lions shouldn't suffer anything. They're the king of the beast. Young lions lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Because everything you need is just as close as standing on your tiptoes and reaching for God. The treasures of heaven will open up. The bountiful treasures of that other world will open up and it'll start flowing out. It'll flow like a river. I said it'll flow like a river. It'll spring up like a well of living water springing up in your soul. If you need to find God, reach. If you need to rediscover God, reach. If you're backslid in your heart, reach. If you've gotten cold and carnal and worldly and ungodly and sin is lying at the door and you got all kinds of stuff going on in your life nobody knows about and the devil's condemning you every day, just stand on your tiptoes and reach for God. He'll hear you. He'll hear your prayer. He'll help you. He'll bring you out. He'll deliver you. That's the power of this great gospel message. Amen. God will be your help. I know I need to finish. My timer ran out. My brother was so obnoxious. He's career military. We tried to talk to him about God. Couldn't talk to him. He was obnoxious. He messed up so many, so many times. We tried to have dinner and have a good conversation. I, when I was pastor, I invited him down to church. He said, if I come in that church down there, the roof will fall in. I said, we've got builders. Know how they'll build it back. That's coming, break it down. Good nothing. Finally, after many years, I was preaching a Pentecost Sunday service up in York, Pennsylvania. I said, hey, we'll go get something to eat. Why don't you come to the service? He came, brought his two full-grown children, never been to church hardly at all in their life. Church that morning, I gave altar call. Everybody came. They didn't come, so I gave my brother a personal altar call. He still didn't come. But his son that was getting ready to go to Iraq a little bit worried about that. He'd come up to the altar and said, Uncle Doug, would you pray for me? I said, I'd be happy to pray for you. He didn't know nothing about God, nothing. My, uh, his sister asked me, wasn't God up in the universe? I said, sure, he's everywhere. She said, well, how come you look down when you pray? She didn't even understand why we bow our head as a sign of respect, just completely unknowing of God at all. I said, I said, son, just close your eyes and raise your hands. I'm going to pray for you. I laid my hands on his head. It wasn't 30 seconds. He's speaking in tongues. He didn't, he didn't even know what speaking in tongues was. He received the Holy Ghost. He didn't even know what the Holy Ghost was. But when I got my hand on his head and he's praying through, I looked back at my brother and I said, he's speaking in tongues. Now, he didn't know what was happening, but my brother did. He just dropped his head. He didn't come that morning, but about three weeks later, the pastor called me. He said, I thought you might like to know your brother and his wife are both in service again this morning. They both came to the altar, and they both prayed through. <laughs> Obnoxious, rude, arrogant. I went through my closet emptied out as many suits and ties and shirts as I could and sent them up to him. He started wearing them. Pastor talked to me a few weeks after that. He said, your brother's something else. He's dressing up like a clown on Sunday mornings, and he is bringing children to church, filling up rows of them. 
my obnoxious, hard-headed, rude, caustic, military man brother is now dressing up like a clown, handing out candy to children and filling up rows, bringing them to church. They started a little daughter work downtown. They sent him down there with the pastor to help get some people in there. Pastor called me up a couple years later and said, thought you might like to know. Your brother's talking to me about the ministry, and we've been preparing him. He'll be meeting the district board this week. He called me and said, we gave your brother a license. He became a licensed minister, United Pentecostal Church. And just about two years ago, he got elected as a pastor. And my obnoxious brother that you couldn't talk to for 30-something years about God is a pastor this morning reaching people for God. Don't give up on anyone. You don't know. It doesn't matter how long. It doesn't matter how far. It doesn't matter how rude. When the poor man cries... God's going to hear their prayer. Our musicians can come get in place on the platform. My wife's father, my wife was raised very poor. She can tell you her story sometime. Very, very poor. So poor that many times they didn't have food, didn't have clothes. Sometimes didn't even have a place to live. They were homeless on the street. And um, her father was a good man, hardworking man, was a farm laborer, worked in dairy farms. And uh, her mother was a godly woman, loved the Lord, great faith. She has a mighty testimony. They've both gone on to be with the Lord now. But when her, when her father, who was in the military, when he had cancer in his body, ended up in the VA hospital, and they had amputated his legs, he said, don't bring them preachers up here praying for me. So my wife went to visit him on Father's Day. And since she couldn't bring any preachers, she brought the prayer warrior from the church, a little intercessor named Sister Duty. Now, let me tell you something. Intercessors are not politically correct. They train us preachers how to behave ourselves in hospitals. And for the most part, we do. <laughs> but intercessors, they don't pay attention to none of that stuff. They're rough and raw and ragged. And they got in that room on Father's Day and Sister Duty leaned over to Mr. Windsor, laying there dying, and said, Mr. Windsor, wouldn't you like to pray before you die? Now, I'm pretty sure you or me probably would not have said something like that. We'd have been patting and petting and armoring and comforting, you know. I can't see me saying, wouldn't you like to pray before you die? But Mr. Windsor laying back in that hospital bed with amputated legs, did like this right here. When that man nodded his head, every demon in hell had to take a step back. When that man nodded his head, I could see a slow motion drip of the blood dripping off Calvary's cross start making its way. My wife, knowing the sternness of her father, dismissed herself from the room to get a drink. She came back a few minutes later, Sister Duty, one knee up on the bed, a hand up on Mr. Windsor's head, and he's laid back with his hands up praying through, speaking in other tongues. He never came off the deathbed. He got himself a Bible, started talking about the Lord. My wife's brother's a my wife's brother's a preacher. And so he went in to talk to him about getting baptized. He said, pull up a chair, son. He said, I'm going to tell you something I've never told anybody, never told your mother. Now, he let his wife die and never told her this. 
He said, when I was in the military, he said, 35, 40 years ago, I was stationed overseas. He told where it was and said, the preacher man came through talking about getting baptized in Jesus' name. And he said, I got in line. And he said, I got baptized in Jesus' name. He said, I've known what you've been talking about the whole time. Let his wife die and never told her. Never came off that bed. Got his heart right. Died. Went on to be with the Lord. They asked me to preach his funeral. 37, 36, 37 preachers. He couldn't stop us from coming there. <laughs> At his funeral, I preached a sermon entitled, Finishing Stronger Than You Started. He said he didn't live well. He didn't live right. But he died right. <laughs> because as long as there's breath in your body, all the poor man has to do is cry. Just reach for the Lord. I was telling that story. Everybody's crying. I looked down over here on the left was one of my wife's other brothers backslidden away from God. I tied a little sister duty on him. I said, Lee, wouldn't you like to pray? He said, I said, come up here and stand in just a few feet from his daddy's casket. I laid hands on Lee at the funeral, and he prayed through speaking in other tongues. Because it doesn't even matter where you are. You don't have to be in church. Amen. You can be in a funeral, and you can touch the power of God. Stand with me across this auditorium if you would. I just need to tell this. I think it erased some faith. <laughs> For many years, I went to the nation of Ethiopia. Traveled there for great crusades, outpouring the Holy Ghost. Heard a lot of stories, seen a lot of miracles. One of the stories that was told to me that I've never forgotten, Brother Daegu, who now I think is the superintendent, told me the story. Ethiopia is a land given to a lot of drought, a lot of famine. He said, we were in a season of drought and under political corruption. They wouldn't release food to the people to control them politically. And the drought was causing our crops not to grow. And in one village where there was predominantly our people, our one God, Jesus' name, Holy Ghost filled, hundreds and hundreds of them, the crops were dying, the ground was parched, and they were out of food. So the village elders called a meeting. Somebody aptly recommended we need to pray. So they called a village prayer meeting. And the next day they went out in the middle of the day, hundreds of them out into the field, dry, parched, wilting crops, and they begin to pray. Now, I don't know if you ever heard these Ethiopian people pray, but they don't pray these little quiet, anemic prayers. They pray with a voice of passion and volume, and they begin to cry out to the Lord. And while they're praying, fish start falling out of the sky, some flopping, some frozen. They're just falling all around their feet. So the women were wise enough. They ran back to the village real quick and got baskets, started gathering it all up, and uh, fed them for many, many days. Now, the story went all over the place. For many years, I carried the clippings of the newspaper reporting of it with me. Imagine it's on the Internet. And it went every, far and wide, and, of course, skeptics and suspicion, and some people's only gift they have is the gift of suspicion. And... Some meteorologists got to looking into it. What? I mean, fish, sky. But sure enough, they got to looking at weather patterns, radar images. And the meteorologist confirmed 
that out over the ocean there was a giant hurricane winds of 70, 80, 90 miles an hour waves 35, 40 feet and what the meteorologist determined was that as the waves were coming up a wind shear came across chopped off the top of that water with the fish in it carried it up into the atmosphere over now you understand Ethiopia is not on the coast there's a whole country called the Sudan between them and the coast carried it over the Sudan the high atmosphere over to Ethiopia and dropped it on these farmers now I do not personally take issue with their determination I'm guessing there was a hurricane the fish were carried up into the air and they did drop on the Ethiopians but that that's the scientific can I give it to you a Pentecostal preacher style the God who hears our prayer before we pray when those Ethiopians walked out that field and lifted up their hand reached down with his mighty hand into the ocean and began to stir it up he scooped up a bunch of fish and tossed them into the atmosphere and blew with the nostrils of his breath and blew them over the only thing the meteorologist couldn't explain I have an explanation for is how they just happened to fall I'll tell you why they fell there because that's where the reach was that's where somebody was reaching that's where the Holy Ghost is going to fall today, where somebody reaches. I wonder if there's somebody here, whatever condition you're in, you'd step out from your seat. Excuse me, excuse me, please. I need to step out here. You'll walk down to this front, and you'll just lift your hands to the Lord from whatever situation, whatever battle, whatever condition. If you'll seek the Lord, you'll find Him. If you'll reach for the Lord, you'll feel Him. This atmosphere is lifted up. It's supercharged with faith. Somebody come and cry. If you don't want to come down here, do it right there where you are. Do it right where you're standing. Uh, you'll find that it's a little easier if you'll get up here amongst the people. But you can do it right where you are. Just reach for the Lord. Throw your hands in the air. Tilt your head back. Close your eyes. Get your mind off of everything else. Get it right on Jesus. They begin to call out, Lord, if you can hear me. He can hear you. Come on, he can hear you. ministers of this church, prayer warriors of this church, if there's somebody close by that you know is in a desperate circumstance, they need to find God, re-find God, rediscover God, they need a fresh touch of God, find them and put your hand on them and pray for them. Somebody needs a little help today. He can hear you. He can feel your heart. He knows the sincerity of your soul. Use your voice. Use your voice to reach out. Use your voice to call out. Here we are, Lord. We're your people. Everything's going wrong in our world. But Lord, if you can help me, I need help. You may need help physically. You may need a healing in your body. You may need help emotionally. You may need help mentally. You may need help financially. 
There may be all kinds of chaos in your family. Whatever it is, reach with all your heart. You will seek me and you will find me. When you search for me with all of your heart, it's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. Is anybody desperate? Is anybody in trouble? Does anybody need God more than you need anything else today? Does anybody need a touch from the master's hand? We're going to try to find you. We're going to try to pray for you. We're going to try to bless you. We're going to try to help you today. We're with you. We're for you. We're on your side. God is on your side. He's an ever-present help in the time of trouble. If you don't know what else to do, just put your arm around somebody. If you don't know what else to do, just put your hand on their shoulder and let them know. The Lord can hear you. He can hear you. He knows. He knows. There's a lot of needs down here today. You go ahead. He can hear you. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. Let it spring up. Let the Holy Ghost flow through you. Don't try to fix it. Just try to touch Jesus. Just touch Jesus. The Lord will do the fixing. Just reach. I need you, Lord. I've got to feel you. great equalizer you'll overcome all the odds that are stacked against you in the name of Jesus reach reach I need you Lord that's beautiful let him hear your voice nobody can pray your prayer Nobody can pray your prayer. You've got to pray your prayer. You got to pray it. You got to reach. He hears you. He hears you. That's right. He hears you, brother. He knows your heart. He knows you better than we do. Woo! Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. Pray your prayer. Let Him hear your heart. Let Him feel your soul. There's not a devil in hell that can stop you. Reach. Reach through the chains. Reach through the darkness. Just reach right through it and touch him. 
People are reaching all over this altar. All over this altar, they're reaching. They're finding, they're feeling, they're touching. He can hear you. He can hear you. I cried out and the Lord heard me. Finish stronger. Finish stronger than you started. Let the future be greater than the past. Jesus, hear me today. Hear me, Lord. Begin to arrange my life. That's what your mercy to the Lord and thank Him that He's always just as close as the mention of His name. He's always just as close as the calling out of His name. The mighty name of the Lord. Sister, you have felt extremely weak lately. The enemy trying to accentuate the weakness but as I walked back and forth here, I just kept feeling the Lord said, tell her, you're stronger than you think you are. You're doing better than you think you're doing. You're grading yourself a lot lower than where you're actually standing in the spirit. Kind of like Gideon. He was over there hiding out, threshing wheat behind the wine press. But the Lord said, thou mighty man of God. You're mighty, you're powerful. Lift your hands to the Lord. There's a touch of strength. There's a touch of faith coming upon you today to say you're stronger than you think you are. Make sure she's looking at me, sister, right there. You're a powerful intercessory prayer warrior. You're a warrior also in prayer. A warrior. You have a voice that can pray in the spirit, pray in authoritative tongues, do warfare on behalf of those you love. You can drive back the adversary and you can build the hedge. Be a hedge builder. Be a faith speaker. Go ahead and keep warring in the spirit. It's not in vain. It's working. It's helping. It's making a difference. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Let's clap our hands and love the Lord, shall we? 
sister right here, people, as well as the enemy, but even people, have tried to make you feel like a failure. And fair enough, you've made some mistakes. You've failed in some areas. But I declare today here in the house of God where it matters the most, you are not a failure. You're on the road to victory. You're on your way to victory. We all stumble down on our way, but just get up and keep walking. Your theme needs to be victory, victory shall be mine. That's your song. Victory, victory shall be mine. This young lady right here, I saw you praying, really pouring your heart out to God. And I want you to know that that will always be available to you. There is an access that you have already gained that has come to you in life that anytime you need it, you pray like that, God will be there. Some, some of us, seems like at times we have to, what the old timers used to call pray through. You got to kind of like pray through until <laughs> you bust in and get there. Not you. When you open your mouth and raise your hands, it will be there in an instant. The moment you need it, it'll be right there. That's a promise and a prophecy from the Lord. Just clap your hands and magnify the Lord all over this place. Come on, I want us to really magnify the Lord. Something's trying to open up here. God's trying to do something here. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Somebody tap that young man right there and get him to look at me. I want several of you young people to listen to what I'm going to say to him because this isn't just for him, but it's for some others too. Many voices, there are voices in this world that come to your mind, come into your thought patterns. Some of them you wonder, why am I even thinking like that? Voices. But the promise of the Lord is, my sheep know my voice and will not hearken. It doesn't mean you don't hear the other voices. It means you won't listen to the other voices. You won't obey them. The only one you'll obey is the voice of the Lord until His voice becomes so strong that the other voices can't even be heard anymore. I speak into your mind and your spirit that the voice of the Lord will be strong like a trumpet inside of you. May it drown out the voices of this world, the voices that come from all of the mediums of this world, from all of the demonic sources of this world. In the name of the Lord. Come on, pray over our young people right now. So many voices. So many voices of opposition, so many voices, so many subtle, deceptive, luring, seducing voices of the world that they have got to navigate through. Lord, I pray for our young people right now that they will have an ear to hear what the Spirit says and they will hear and listen and obey the voice of the Lord. Hallelujah. It's a simple word, 101 for someone in your spiritual level. But blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. The secret hunger for confirmation, for witness, for the Lord to show himself to you with infallible proofs shall come to pass. The Lord will do it along the way. 
spoke to me a few days ago something I'd like to share with you. He said, I will confirm my word with signs following. There will come the confirmations to all of this. You don't, they're not fleeces. You don't design them. You just be aware of them when they happen and say, well, now the Lord just confirmed that. The Lord confirmed that he knew what I was thinking, that he knew what was going on in my spirit. And as he confirms his word, you'll get more faith to speak his word. His word is like a sword in your hand that you can use to do battle on behalf of those you love. Can you say praise the Lord? Can you say praise the Lord? You know what's amazing, brother? This message, we talk about being born again. What's so powerful about that is it makes no difference what our lineage is, where we come from, what our fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers and mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers and all these people did, what lineage we come from, what background we come from, what life we've been involved in, what we've done. When we come to this, there is a born again. We become a whole new person. And I'm going to prophesy to you today that there is a new you inside of you waiting to be born. Born conformed to the very word of God. I believe the process is in motion right now in your life. Could I pray a blessing over you? Lord, the process already there. Oh, transformation already happening. Already, already occurring, already in motion, already flowing, some already done. Process already, Lord, let it keep transforming, let it keep changing, let it keep moving till, Lord, he even looks back like I have and says, ain't even the same me <laughs> in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of these days you'll look back and you'll say, it's not even the same me anymore. It's a whole new me. I probably shouldn't tell you this. I get to this kind of place in the service and it's hard for me to resist what's flowing through my mind. But I, I drink a lot of alcohol when I was in the world. Wasn't much of a beer drinker, but loved all the mixed drinks. And so much so that once I would start, I couldn't stop. Once I started, there was no, I couldn't stop until I passed out. I couldn't just say, okay, I've had enough and quit. Once I started into it, and I just drink stronger and stronger and stronger until there was just no end. So I'd pass out and couldn't drink, wake up sometime. Because of that, once I came into church, got delivered, lived for the Lord. Throughout my life, I've always been fearful of alcohol. Because I know me. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to go down that road. I know the power it has over me. I don't want to be a part of that. Because I could never stop myself. Well, I was on an airplane about a year ago, flopped down in my upgraded seat in first class. I was reading a book, not paying attention. I fly so much, you know, I wasn't even focused on what I was doing. I just do it kind of mechanically. When you, when you sit in first class, they'll come through while people are boarding and give you something to drink. The lady beside me ordered some kind of fruit, something or other, pineapple. I heard something sounded good, so I said, I'll take one of those too. I'm reading my book, I'm not paying attention. They bring it, plop it down. I reach over, take a big gulp. Well, it was alcohol. And uh, the familiar burn, the familiar taste from so long ago was one more time in my mouth. 
but unexpected to me it was horrible <laughs> I didn't like it I didn't want any more of it I handed that to that flight attendant I said can you get me a Sprite or something I did not know that was alcohol I gotta get this nasty taste out of my mouth I down the whole seven up whatever they brought me there was zero desire now I don't know what you think about it but I there's a little deliverance for me right there I realized you know what that's not me anymore I don't even want it my these 30 years I've been afraid of something I've already been delivered of I'm not afraid of it anymore I know right now there's a new me that's not I'm not the same person I can I prophesy to you and tell you you have no idea what you'll like what you won't want you think you can't change but you will change you will be different you'll want things you didn't used to want you won't like things you used to like I used to smoke now smoking burns my eyes God can change you so thoroughly that he gives you new desires used to wear that long hair down I was proud of my hair when I was in high school you know I had that nice long straight hair I always thought I had Dumbo ears because when I was in elementary school the kids made fun of my ears and I felt like my ears stuck out like Mickey Mouse so I always wanted to keep them covered up when I came to church the pastor told me I need to get a haircut I didn't want to but I wanted to live for God and do what pastor wanted I remember standing in front of the mirror saying, God, I don't want to do this. I got these big old ears. I like my long hair. But I want you more than I care about anything else. So I went and got it cut. It took me a little while. Felt the air on my ears, you know. But today, it starts getting down almost like where it is even right now. It starts getting down a little bit, and I'll feel it back there a little bit. It starts driving me insane. If my wife would let me, I'd get it cut so short, it wouldn't need, I wouldn't even need to comb it. I'd just do like that and be done. But she won't let me do it. You know, you do a whole lot more than you agree to in the contract when you get married. All I remember saying was, you know, sick, sickness, health, richer, for poor, leave all the other ones alone. That was about it. Kind of did that right away. I now remember agreeing that I would wear my hair the way she wanted me to. But that's called the law of love. You do a lot of things. We may not have anything written for. If it'll make the Lord happy. Praise God. Well, I don't know what I need to do here. Amen. This lady right here, I came over and laid hands on you and prayed for you. You were praying in the Holy Ghost springing up. And as it was springing up through you, the sensation that I had was it was a refreshing, a renewing, a cleansing. Amen. And, I, and you just kept flowing in it and letting it flow. Just any time you get the feeling like it's all piling up on you too much, you go just, just get refreshed. This is the rest we're in, the weary fine rest. This is the renewing. You got something very similar to that, but the word is more restoring that I feel in the spirit a restoration came to you this morning a restoring of things you know you're aware of it's nothing new but you know sometimes we let them drift to the back of our mind but a restoring of your faith a restoring of your security in God 
You are settled. You are secure. You're on a firm foundation. You're going to be all right. You're not in jeopardy. You're not going to be destroyed. You're not going to fail. You're not going to collapse. You're not going to fall away. You are secure, saith the Lord, in the name of Jesus. Would you clap your hands under the Lord here today? He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. All right, my brother. You're a stubborn fella. But your stubbornness is not just a character attribute. It is the forming grounds of the gift of faith. God has given you, I feel it in you, I sense it swirling in you, the gift of faith to believe God against all odds. Your hard-headed, forward-driving passion is from God. You just lean into the wind. You just forever forge forward. And you believe even when you have zero evidence and there's every contradictory evidence, you just have stubborn faith in God. It'll be your strength. It'll be how you make it. And you're going to see by the gift of faith, you're going to see mighty and notable miracles take place in your life. The miracles will come. Somebody else ought to just reach out and say, oh, I'll take that for myself right there. I'm stubborn. I have get the faith. I'll, I'm going to see here. Come on, reach out and get that out of the atmosphere. If you want it, get it, get it, get it, get it. Brother, you pray in the Holy Ghost. You pray in tongues. You be a worshiper. You be one of the first responders to come to the altar, one of the first prayer warriors. Don't wait for anybody else to do it. You just you know what needs to be done. Just get out there and get it for yourself because you are a leader. The gift of leadership is upon you. You're an influencer. You're going to be one that's going to encourage other people. You're going to have a word for them. You're going to be strong for them. People are going to be drawn to you. They're going to be drawn to your beautiful countenance and smile and personality, but really it's going to be God flowing out of you that's causing them to be drawn to you. So you keep the flow going, and you're going to be the kind of person that will be able to influence other people toward the Lord. You'll be a leader. It's going to be amazing what God will do in your life. Amen. Don't wait for others. Just get out there and do what needs to be done. Others will fall in behind you and follow you. To clap your hands under the Lord and magnify Him one more time. I will bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. I will bless His holy name. Give me your hand. The mountain's not too high, or the valley too deep, or the way too rough, saith the Lord. I am helping you, and I am strengthening you. The way will be just a little longer, but you're closer than you think you are. For just a little further, press on just a little longer. I'm with you. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. You're going to make it. You're coming through, and you're going to come through stronger than you went in. Your faith will be greater. It'll be like faith that's been tried in the fire, but it's come forth like gold of greater value, of greater value. You're not, your value is not diminishing. Your value is increasing, saith the Lord. Even though it's hard right now, even though it's a little rough right now, you're getting stronger in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to speak a word to you, young man. You will not be left out, overlooked, or forgotten ever in the plan of God. It was like when the prophet went to anoint the king and he looked at all the sons and he said, are they all here? He said, no, there's one more. He's out back taking care of some stuff. 
He wasn't even there, but God knew where he was. And I want you to know God always knows where you are, like he knew where David was. And people may not always point to you, but God will. Amen. He'll put it in their heart. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. I feel the mighty touch of the Holy Ghost in this place. Words of prophetic encouragement coming from the Lord, helping us to know that God is with us. Two things for you, sister, since you're so hungry. There's a physical touch on your body. It's been before today already flowing. There's been another touch on it today. There's going to be some more touches on it in the days to come. It's a flow of healing. I see numerous touches coming upon your body. The second thing is your prayers, keep praying them, keep asking for them. The same exact thing you've been asking for, keep asking. Because the Bible said, he that asketh, that's to ask and keep asking, receiveth, will receive and keep receiving. So you keep asking. It's coming. It's on the way. Give the Lord a little time to work it out. Sometimes when we're working with people, they can be a little stubborn, you know. In the mighty name of Jesus. Mm. I'll share this with you. Turn this back to Pastor. I've been pondering this all morning because I don't know exactly what to do with it. We were in the office. A couple ministers. Pastor said, let's pray. We started praying. I saw come through the office like between us I guess you call it like a river a flow of water wasn't very wide you know maybe about this much right here a couple of feet just come flowing through us I saw it in the spirit and just flow out further than I could see it go and as we were praying I could see our prayers like words coming out of our mouth just going down into that water down into that flow as it flowed out we came out here we started worshiping and the worshipers were on the platform and I saw it again. As they were singing and worshiping and rejoicing, I could see the music and the words and the song again going into that flow and pushing it further on down the way. I felt like the Lord was showing me that while I was preaching, it was going to go into the flow. When you started giving your offering, people were walking up here as they were tossing the money into the baskets. In my mind, I saw that river and I saw it going in to the flow and pushing it on down the way as I tried to look with my mind and prophetic insight squinting as it were in the spirit way on out there I saw that river come to the foot of one single tree pretty good sized trunk pretty good sized tree spreading out branches green leaves but that was it but as that river flowed into it splashed up around it made the ground wet all around it I saw the fruit begin to just blossom all over this tree I mean just just like popping up popping up popping up popping up fruit everywhere and as that happened a wind came blowing across and as it blew through the top of that tree, the fruit began to, some of it just sort of fell off, fell down and rolled a short distance. Some of it sort of blew off a little bit further distance. And that fruit began to just fill up all that dry ground around. And then where the fruit hit, it was like it would sink into the ground and pop up a little tree. 
and another piece of fruit over here, sink it in the ground and pop up a little tree. And in just a few minutes, it sprung up everywhere and it was like an orchard, like an orchard, rows of trees or bushes or whatever they were. And then I'm squinting and I begin to see people by the hundreds come walking in, all kinds of diversity, all kinds of cultures, young and old, some carrying baskets, some just gathering in their hand. And they started reaching and taking the fruit off of there. I've been pondering it through the service. I haven't had a whole lot of time to pray about it, try to get all the meaning behind it. I believe the tree is this church itself. The flow is the spirit, all the things we're doing that are increasing the flow. And as we increase the flow to this church, to this tree, and it begin to bear fruit, this tree is going to become an orchard. And there is going to come a great harvest of people. Those people I saw, you know who they are? They're your loved ones. They're your family members. They're your co-workers. They're your friends. They're the people you're teaching Bible study to and praying for. You know why you should get with pastor and the evangelist and anybody else comes through here wanting revival for this church? Because it's not just about building a bigger church and maybe even someday building a bigger building and expanding facilities and just having a big, large church. That's not why we're all excited. You know why you should be excited? You see them empty chairs back there that we vacated to come up here? When people come in out of the city as part of the harvest, you know they're probably not coming here from California and New York City and Las Vegas. The people who are going to sit in the seats of this church for revival are going to come from right out here, right in this community. It's going to be people that we live around and work with. It's going to be people that have meaning to us. And so you should be excited about revival because revival is not about buildings and crowds and numbers. Revival is about lost souls coming into the kingdom of God. And those lost souls are going to be people you love. Anybody excited about somebody you love being saved, delivered, set free, and released? Lord, we're in summer revival. I pray for that tree. Pray with me. I pray for that tree. I pray for the flow that is strengthening the tree. That every time we pray, every time we give, every time we preach, every time we worship, everything we do, we are increasing the flow to the tree. The tree will get stronger. The fruit will grow. The wind will blow. The fruit will grow more trees. It will reach out till it becomes an orchard that can be a place of nourishment, strength, and food for this whole community. And people may come here from far distances in the future time to partake of what is grown here from what has been produced here lord give us a prayer atmosphere give us a worshiping atmosphere let us get so hungry and thirsty for god we want it more than we want anything else let everybody say in jesus name i don't want to wear you out i just feel one more prayer that just came to me while i was just praying right now if you have pain in your body you came needing a real healing in your body if you'll just close your eyes and slip your hands up in a comfortable fashion right now. The Lord said, I'm healing. I need to heal. So I'm releasing him right now to come to you and heal you and touch you. Every manner of disease, pain, sickness, frailty, infirmity. We open the doors and the windows of heaven. Let the gifts of healing and the power of miracles flow into this congregation right now. 
I release you to be healed. God's touching hearts and arteries and valves. The Lord's touching in stomachs and kidneys and livers. The Lord's touching in lungs and respiratory. In the name of the Lord, arthritis pain, I curse you and command you to go. And diabetes and blood pressure. In the name of the Lord, bone and joints. In the name of Jesus, muscle pain. I curse the pain and command. Come on, there's a great flow of the gifts of healing right here. It only takes a few minutes, but you got to let it flow in and flow through in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now give the Lord a great hand praise for it. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning flow.